Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. Today, we have on Emily Lethgo, who is actually going to be one of our speakers at Level Up Your Listing Summit this year. She's going to be talking about social media and how hosts can use Instagram and all the social media platforms to just harness more bookings, utilizing direct bookings more, being able to be in control of where your leads are coming from and not just relying on the OTAs. So we're super excited for her session in Scottsdale. For today, though, I don't want her to give away all the secrets that she'll be sharing on stage. So I wanted this to just be more conversational, getting to know Emily and her backstory. And then if there's a few tips she can leave us with today that we can take and run with to improve our social media. So Emily, I will turn it to you to kind of introduce yourself, get our audience up to speed with who you are and what you do, and we'll take it from there. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I've been just a huge listener in the last year or so, and it's helped me tremendously. So I'm just so grateful to be here. A little bit about me. So I live in South Knoxville, and that's about 30 minutes from the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. And I've always kind of thought, well, one day I would love to own a cabin in the Smokies and kind of do the whole, you know, have a vacation home, but also rent it out as an Airbnb. And about a year ago, my dad and I, we actually partnered together on a property. And I can talk a little bit more about that too, if, if that yeah, was interesting. Interested. Yeah, about a partnership like that. So we found the cabin on Zillow. It was for sale by owner. He just was not really motivated to sell. And we came in and it was one of those things where you just kind of build the relationship with the owner. And we told him how important it would be to us and just do it together as a father and daughter um, situation. And I think he just really liked that and liked us. And we were able to put in an offer and he accepted our offer, even though we were a little bit under some other people. And so we went in, totally renovated it and got it up on Airbnb and on VRBO. And I immediately did all the direct booking stuff. So for me, my background is marketing and just business and entrepreneurship. So whenever we bought the cabin, I immediately started thinking of how to market this. And I think a lot of times people buy the property and just rely on Airbnb because that is the easier thing. But for me, I knew, well, I want to learn this direct booking and I want to do it from the beginning because if I do it from the beginning, it'll be easier if I have all these systems just set up mm -hmm. from the get-go. And so we just, we did owner res. I went through owner res and kind of set it all up that way. And we still have a lot of Airbnb, but it's, we do have about 30% direct booking through um, our OT, our owner res. 
So that was from basically right off the bat because you never like started with just Airbnb and then built direct booking later. You've had owner as implemented from day one. And so from day one, you've been about 30% direct booking. Right. And it shifts month to month. But like whenever I and I always recommend for people to do this, if you have a renovation, I think that's huge marketing because people love to see that transformation happen. And I knew that. I knew I wanted to showcase all of that process happening through social media. You can even, like certain things that I did was with a fireplace. You know, I let people vote. Like, what tile do you like? You know, when we were building that out. And even though I probably knew what tile I was going to do, it's fun to, you know, get people involved and make them feel like, oh, they're building this. Like, I could eventually stay here one day. You really plug in your community early on. And then I also immediately started collecting emails. So it was just a small incentive to say, you'll be the first to know when we go live or you'll be the first to get some sort of discount. Join the email list. And you can do that through Flowdesk is what I use, but MailChimp, there's there's free ones. Um, and you can just start collecting those emails. And that way, as soon as you have it ready, you are blasting an email out to all of those people. And then later on, even while you're growing that email list, you can send out little discounts, you know, you can referral codes, all kinds of things like that. One thing I am absolutely craving for 2024 is simplicity, but we all know that the setup process for a new short-term rental is anything but simple. That is why I'm so excited to tell you about HostGPO. By shopping with HostGPO, you can save up to 75% on furniture, decor, linens, amenities, and supplies, and they only work with a few select brands that are tried and tested to stand up to the wear and tear of guests. With HostGPO, there is no overwhelm of comparing hundreds of brands, variations, and product reviews. You just shop for what you need and rest assured that you are getting the best quality at the best price. Over 300,000 properties are already purchasing through HostGPO, and as the pool of customers grows, so do the discounts that HostGPO can negotiate for us hosts. By signing up through my link in the show notes below, you'll get an exclusive three months of free access to start shopping on HostGPO today. Thank you so much to HostGPO for sponsoring the show and for making it so simple to set up and restock our STRs. So can I ask how, I know that you said you had like more of a marketing and entrepreneurship background. And so that's kind of what got you thinking from day one, you don't want to be reliant on an OTA. From my experience talking to a lot of hosts and stuff and my personal experience, starting with Airbnb was just such a like low barrier to entry for people who maybe this is a home that they inherited. They didn't go into this like as an investment or something, or maybe I, I don't know, it's a guest house like in their backyard or something, and they don't really know what they're committing themselves yet to. So the OTAs just like really lower that barrier of entry. For people in that situation, when would you recommend that they start to implement direct booking? Hopefully my question makes sense, but it's like, you know, not everybody goes into it running all the numbers and stuff the way that we do. It's just kind of like a, hey, I think this could be a cool opportunity and they're not going to spend time building the entire like social media presence and building the PMS and building the direct booking site and figuring out rental agreements, all of that. So when for someone like that, should they introduce this? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, the more I have thought about this, I really recommend if it is that situation where you're more of a hobby host and you just kind of want to try this out and see how it goes. I think Airbnb is a great platform to use and to really get your feet wet with it. 
And then if you decide, okay, maybe I want to venture out and find another property, or if I want to create this more into a business, then I think you start to look at the direct bookings and the extra marketing because you are paying essentially for marketing to be on Airbnb's platform. But I think it's worth it because of the ease and the simplicity of that for for that person that just kind of wants to test this out. For me, I don't know why. I just, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are like this. You just know, like you know that you want to be in real yeah. estate and you see a long-term future with this. And for those people, I do think just start from the beginning because owner res or a lot of the other the other the other platforms they make it really easy for you even the the rental agreement like that was something I was a little stressed about like how am I going to make sure that I have insurance and I have you know a security deposit even and owner res literally has the rental agreement laid out for you so it can sound scary but once you start getting into it it's really not as complicated as it seems and you can save so much money in the long run if you start building your brand from day one. And for me, how I think how I saw it was, even though this is just one property for me, it's kind of like if I, I know I want another property eventually. So whenever I have that next property, I have an email list that I'm building of almost 500 emails already. But like Evergreen Hideaway, that's our cabin name. And then I get to just slowly introduce this new property to that audience. And so if I create a new property that's, you know, that similar vibe and I feel like it matches what that those people want already, I just feel like it's such a stronger, more compelling way to get a new guest because they already like, know, and trust me as a host. So that's kind of how I'm seeing it is like, I'm starting with one, but I'm going to add more into this funnel. Right, right, right. So you're building a brand basically from day one. So are you still collecting emails from people who do book from Airbnb? I know you said only about 30% of your bookings are direct. So are you also taking advantage of the Verbo, the Airbnb, the other OTA bookings? Yes. And I do that through the rental agreement. So for our property, we, with the owner res, the rental agreement gets their address, phone number, and email. And then I'm also able to get a $300 security deposit which I know a lot of people are like, I don't know about that. You know, that will deter people from booking. But for me, I haven't had any issues with it. I only had one person so far in a year kind of ask me about it. I explained to her the process and then she did, she did that and it was completely fine. And actually I did, I do like the security deposit because with, with air cover, you know, sometimes that can take a little bit of a while to kind of get the receipts and everything like that situated. Well, when you have a $300 deposit sitting there, you can easily just, instead of return the whole 300 you just keep a portion of it and explain why. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been easy. I've only had to do that one time, but it was so much quicker and more efficient than having to go through air cover. I feel like you probably have less damages too when people have paid a deposit and they're like, wait, I have like 300 actual yeah. on the line like even though in theory people are like oh yeah the host could charge me if I damage this like it doesn't feel real the money hasn't left your account yet when yes. you've paid prepaid and you're waiting for it to come back you are more careful yes that is so true and actually when we started I guess it was a couple months in I had a guest that they booked really last minute and I don't know it was just I had that gut feeling you know when when you feel like they're gonna be a bad guest 
And she did not do the rental agreement, but it was so last minute that I was like, it, it'll be fine. Like I went ahead and gave them their code and everything. And my other red flag was she called me to say, like, since they were basically checking in so late, it was technically midnight. And like, could they get that night for Oh, free? boy. Okay. Any <laughs> red flags, but I was a new host and I'm like, I guess, you know. And so, yeah, they were our only people that basically trashed the place. And ever since then, I'm like, okay, no, everybody has to do the security deposit because you're right. It's an extra level of accountability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With them, were you able to go through air cover at that time or was it a direct booking or how did that work? Did it was Airbnb. I did air cover and air cover came through. Like I've, I've never had issues with air cover. They complete, they, as soon as I sent it through, the guests denied it all, you know, like just, of course, just that. But then air cover kicked in because of my pictures and things like that. So yeah, it was hard. Okay. Okay. Good to know. So what can I ask too? Like, what are some of the costs associated with setting up a direct booking site? Because this is one thing that I think a lot of people who promote direct booking online don't tell the full picture about. It's always like, you don't have to pay 3% hosting fees anymore if you do this. And I'm like, okay, what about the amount that you've invested? Like, in this entire software, in having a lawyer look over this rental agreement, in like your own extra tools and stuff you're using to collect the deposit. Also, Stripe, your payment processor takes 3%. So that fee is already gone regardless. And I see the value in direct booking for sure. I'm not knocking it. But I think a lot of people are setting false expectations of just like, you're in full control and you keep all the money and there's no fees. And that is not true. So can you break down some of those finances? Yes, definitely. So Again, I think it's got to be this like long-term mindset for sure, because you're right. If it's, if you're just looking at it A and B, it's, it's like, does it really make sense? And I think it only makes sense if you're committed to building this long-term brand and maybe even multiple properties in this, but there are costs that go into it. Just like, you know, you have your strike processing and that that's, again, I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed with it all but stripe is super easy and you just connect it your pms so with owner res i've got my rental agreement and then i've got the stripe owner res right now it depends on what features you have but i think mine's about 45 a month 45 dollars and you're using that like as your pms too in in congruence with your otas and stuff when there's a booking there so there's other benefits Yes, exactly. So I'm able to be, I'm only on Verbo and Airbnb, but you can be on different ones, have it all integrated nicely. So I definitely recommend having a PMS. And then Owner Res integrates a website for you. So if you turn that little switch on, your monthly fee is a little bit more. But again, I think it's like $45 to $50 a month that I pay for that. Now you can, and I would recommend if you if you see direct bookings as okay, it's working, people are going to the website and you want to invest a little bit more money into a nicer site. I actually have just been working with Boostly to do a website there. And I love how their layout is just so simple and they use a lot of icons and I just feel like it's really user friendly. The Owner Res website, it is, it's perfect if you're building like a social media presence and they're already knowing and trusting you on social media so then they just click on this website and they see that that's basically just the way to complete the checkout you're not it's not a sales page exactly Uh, yeah owner res website i don't feel like if somebody landed on google i don't know that they would trust it necessarily i think you do have to have a little bit more 
have a robust like looking so, uh, website for that. Because if people are going to give their credit card, I mean, mm -hmm. I, you need to make it just like your deposit and sign an agreement. It's a big commitment for people who don't like necessarily have the brand awareness yet. Yes. And that's where like social media, I think, does come into play because you can market through that and you can like show videos of the property. You can speak on camera like you're building that like no interest. So when you send them to your website, all of those guards are kind of down of like, OK, like I, I've seen this property on video multiple times. I see other people staying there. You know, it just kind of helps them with that process. OK, OK, fair enough. I want to ask your thoughts on, I know you mentioned like you had your one property and you built the direct booking site knowing that you were going to eventually scale up to another one and, you know, have a cohesive brand. What would you recommend for the host who like has one property in Scottsdale and now they're adding one in Vermont and it's like two totally different demographics? Like how do they bridge that under the same brand? Can they? Should these be two separate Instagram accounts? What would be your tips here? Yeah. My recommendation for it is if you have two different places like that, social media, I think, needs to be different because social media is just your first layer of marketing and you're going to speak directly to that ideal guest. And so those two properties are going to be speaking to two different people that are having way, you know, two different vacations. And so social media is just that front door, like, you, you need to be very specific, very niched in what you're doing. And then you, they can land on the same website. So I, I think having your, you would, you would brand like, you could have the property name and the property name under two Instagram handles, but then they all land on this same website, which would be your like company brand name, if that makes okay. sense. Okay. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So that way you still only have like one investment cost in like the infrastructure and like the back end, but at least forward facing, front facing, you're still targeting different people using different hashtags, like have a different aesthetic to each Instagram page. Yes. And I've ran, into, I've ran into that with people that have asked me, well, they just want to make sure that everybody knows they also have these other properties. And that's how you ensure that they will, because when they go click to book, they'll see, oh, wait a minute, they have these extra properties on the website. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're pulling them in with one property that might be what they're looking for at that time. But then when they land, they're automatically being exposed to the entire portfolio. And that's the benefit of email marketing, because even though they booked one property, you can get in their inbox and start telling them about your other properties that you also offer. So your email list, you're doing the same. You're doing all of it. Like, because I know with Flowdesk and stuff or any of these email providers, you can actually cater or like segment your audience lists, right? So you could just be talking to the bachelorette who booked a place in Scottsdale and then your couple's A-frame getaway in, in Vermont is a totally different demographic. Would you ever advise like segmenting your audience types separately like that or just let them know about both properties? Yes, I think there's like a, sh a strategic way to do it, but I feel like you could um, have your segment so that you know where everybody's at, even people that have just opted into your newsletter versus actual guests that have stayed somewhere. And then you're going to be feeding out content that is relevant to them. So for example, if you had a guest, you could offer them a referral code because they've already stayed with you. You could offer them a code like if they want to forward this email to your, your best friend. 
So you need to be mindful of who you're sending it to, not not sending like irrelevant emails to people. Okay. Okay, sure. So one thing I want to dig into a little bit more is you said that right when you launched, you were already from day one, like 30% direct bookings. And that was because you had been sharing the setup process of your property on social media. So you already had a bit of a following. For context, can you tell us how many followers you had when you launched? Like, just give us the numbers and stuff. So people who are like, I'm nowhere near this. I've never posted anything on Instagram about my property. I'm starting from square one. What can they realistically expect? Yes. Yeah. So when we had, I believe when we launched, we had about 200 followers. And I I also shared on my personal account. So like Facebook, Instagram, I, I was sharing to make sure people knew to follow this Instagram account. I think sometimes people get scared of sharing that on their personal page, but sometimes that's what it takes to get a few friends or mutual friends to just pop over. And people like staying at places that they know of who is owning it because it's already that like known trust factor, you know, it's already built in. And so don't be afraid to post that on your personal pages to say, hey, give this a follow, you know, here's what we're doing. So we had about 200 followers. Now we have close to 700, 750. So you would think, you know, that's a smaller account. But the way that I kind of break that down for people is you really need to start thinking about, okay, how many guests do you actually need for a fully booked calendar? And when you start looking at that, I mean, you really don't, if you have normally weekly stays, that's 52 guests for a fully 100% booked calendar. So when you have 100, 200 followers, I mean, that's a really great goal to have. And more people are seeing that than just that account because you probably have a Facebook page too. And you're also being seen on Airbnb. So I try to help people not get so caught up in the numbers because even though they're they're seeing that follower account, there's people finding you on the explore page or through hashtags. Like there's so many more eyeballs on your things than you're really noticing. Yeah, yeah, that's a really like healthy perspective to have. So, I mean, for you guys, 30% of your bookings are coming in direct. And then what's your occupancy for the uh, overall for the whole year? We are about 80% occupied, which for the Smokies right now is really good because it's it's been a lot lower. And like when we were projecting, when we were buying this property, we were estimating like 60% occupancy. So it's been mm-hmm. much better than that. So 30% of that 80% of days that are even available, like it really does break it down, you know, that it's, you're not, you're not trying to get to a million followers. Like you don't need to, you couldn't even host a million people if you wanted to. Um, So yeah, I think that that like really helps tailor the expectations. So when you launched, you only had about a couple hundred and the 30% direct bookings were coming from day one without even any reviews on the listing yet it was just because you engage them in some polls on which type which fireplace style to pick like so approachable yes and I feel like social media allows you to see so much more of the property that it really brings in my ideal guest because not only is my content speaking to that person but it's showing them every square inch of the cabin and so they already know exactly what to expect and when they're booking They've seen it like they're ready to go stay there rather than just looking at professional photos on Airbnb and not not being sure, you know, and maybe being unhappy or whatever. So I have found that they're like my happiest guests because they have really seen everything and they know exactly what they're signing up for. 
So here's a question. This is very specific to my situation, but hopefully someone from the audience benefits from me asking this as well. One issue I've run into with like building out a direct booking brand is I do a lot of co-hosting. So I manage 10 properties total. It's a mix of the one I own, ones I manage for my parents, and then co-hosted properties. And I will tell you of the 10 that I manage, there are really only like seven of them that I'm like proud of. Like the other three, the owners do not want to make improvements. I keep them on because they're easy. It's pretty passive. Like it's integrated with everything. But I just don't want to like include them. I never show them on social media. Like I don't really want them even on a direct booking site. I don't want them like bringing down. They have way lower rating averages and everything. And I don't want them like bringing down the brand. So what would you recommend in a case like that where like co-hosting specifically, you know, where you kind of get like a mixed bag of like the properties you're representing and if they just don't fit at all, would you say just include them anyway? Because why not? It's more options or like, I don't know, where do you set that standard of like the brand? Very specific question, but hopefully someone out there is like dealing with the same struggle I am. (laughs) Sure. Like, I I think people definitely want to know, like, does my property, is it? Instagram worthy enough or something like that. And I will say I do have a client that I work with that they have very rustic cabins in it's it's in Cookville, like a, a near Lake. And when I see it, it's not somewhere I would personally stay. And I even thought like this is gonna be like difficult content, but the price for it is very low, very affordable. They're attracting this type of guest that it's also near an RV park. So they're attracting this like camper, just wants a rustic getaway, maybe even no Wi-Fi. Like it's a certain type of guest mm-hmm. and they stay very booked. And so there is, there are people that want that stay, but for your specific thing with having your nicer properties and then not so nice, I would not put them together because okay. I do, that is confusing. And I think it just, it's more of a distraction. And sometimes when you give people too many options, it's just not, not a great thing. So for your situation, I would either leave them out or create like another landing page specifically for those and like keep them like, this is our more affordable options. If, if that's the case, if they're like a lower rate. And they are, what you described is exactly it. Like they're actually booked very, very well. They're much cheaper. And it's a lot of just like one night guests who check in late, check out early to go skiing and they love it because it's a budget option. But it's like it's giving Motel 6, you know, and then I have other ones that are just like architectural digest editorial images like they just are not comparable at all. So, yeah, they do well. And those owners are like, we're booked all the time. We don't see the problem. And it's just I think it's just like my own insecurity that I'm like, these don't match. And I don't know how to like mesh them. I've run into issues, too, where like sometimes if a guest wants to extend, but we're already booked, I can offer to move them to another unit. And I get so nervous, like moving them to those ones because I'm like this is a completely different experience so things like that like would you say just kind of take those three properties and like make like you said make their own landing page with them and make it where you're it's this budget-friendly option you know for people that need that because there are people that you know would rather that they they're staying there for a night like I'd rather spend less money and go you know do my thing so you really just have to speak to that person but I would keep it like away from the main page of your nicer ones. <laughs> keep keep a little tab at the top of the website for your budget friendly options. And then if you have somebody that needs a 
longer stay, you you say that. Like, we do have some budget-friendly options if you'd like me to send you those. Okay, but, okay. So present it in a different, like, format like that. Okay, that's okay. totally fair. Is there anything you've noticed in your experience? Like, is there a type of property? We don't want to offend anyone out there, but I just want to be realistic. Is there a type of property that you found just, like, it's not worth the energy of trying to curate a social media following or a direct booking site? Like, maybe if you have, like, a shared one you know, it's like one bedroom in your house that you're renting out or something, or I don't know, just like this super, super budget friendly option or like the arbitrage one bedroom apartment in some random city that's just close to the airport and people book last minute. Like, have you found a formula or like some some repeat indicators that come up that say like this probably isn't going to work for you? Or maybe I'm totally off base. Maybe you found that like any type of property, as long as you're talking to the right people, you can you can cultivate direct bookings i think that there's probably you know i can't speak to all properties but i do feel like you have to be honest with yourself about you know what how much effort do you want to put into marketing and all of that like is it worth it really if you're not going to you know get the return on it and again like if it's just one property i think that's where i'm kind of torn like if you just have one i don't know if it's worth getting all Unless you're like me, I just have one right now, but I have a vision to get more and more. Right. So that's kind of why I'm doing all the branding and the marketing. Now, I did have one cabin I worked with where the, it was like a, it was just, you know, an older one, but they were pet friendly and they were affordable and it did really well. And, you know, it was, I felt like a little difficult to market on social media, but I just, I stuck to those key points of, pet friendly like here's some things that you can do with your pet in the smoky mountains and you just want to kind of pull on what what do they have that they're offering that some of these luxury cabins don't offer because most of them do not allow pets so i think you can pull out like the the important things about your property and really make it stand out even if it's not the luxury pinterest worthy property you can find other things that the other cabins don't have or the other properties don't have Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So be realistic with yourself, but it's not the end of the world if you're not the perfect Pinterest worthy. Like there's other things you can bring to the table that you can showcase. Being being honest with your goals, because at the end of the day, like the marketing side of things is a long term. It's never going to be a quick process of, oh, you started an Instagram and now you have 2000 followers. So you just want to take it in and just be slow and like, steady growth and just you know have fun with it that's another big thing about it like just the mindset behind social media in general and marketing is having a positive mindset like have fun with it you know you can create really fun uh, content with videos and reels and tiktoks don't put so much pressure on yourself to oh i have to get a booking because i believe if you spend consistent time and effort like it will pay off in the long run um, okay, so to wrap up this episode, I'd love to spend the next like five to 10 minutes with you just on some social media tips specifically. I know, you know, we've kind of talked about like once they're engaged and they know, like, and trust you there, the funnel that they're going through to get on the email list and the direct booking platform, the rental agreement, the deposit, all of that. But how are you getting them to know, like, and trust you on social media? How are they finding you? What's in right now? Reels, hashtags, like give us some tips on all that. And I want to add to you guys. Emily's going to be doing a full on deep dive of this at Level Up Your Listing Summit. So save all the best tips for that for the people who show up in person and everything. But give us give us like a little tease today into some of the some of the things you're working on. 
I have said so many times on this podcast that finding a good, reliable cleaner is the single most important thing you can do to ensure a successful STR business. And if anyone has ever dealt with a bad cleaner, you know I'm right about this. Turno is here to solve that problem for us hosts once and for all. With Turno's Cleaner Marketplace, you can find your dream cleaner and have access to a whole network of backup cleaners in case of emergency. Once you find your trusted cleaner, use the Turno app to manage and automate the entire cleaning process from auto scheduling that gets synced directly to your booking calendar, auto payments, photo checklists, problem reporting, and inventory management. Right now, Turno is offering No Vacancy listeners a $150 Amazon gift card just for trying out Turno's Cleaner Marketplace and completing one clean with them. Just use the link turno.com slash no vacancy to unlock that offer and stop settling for cleaning quality that you're unhappy with. Again, that is turno.com slash no vacancy to find your dream cleaner and snag that bonus $150 Amazon gift card. Yeah, of course. So I would say definitely to start with Instagram or TikTok, just depending on what you're more comfortable with. I've always been more comfortable with Instagram, but I'm venturing out to more on TikTok and I'm realizing it actually does really well, like quicker, I feel like. So, but do, do which platform that you feel like you can show up more consistent on and then, you know, make it a goal to learn how to do the other one. And then one of my tips is to go to your property. And if you can't have somebody that, that will do this for you, but you want to go to your property during different times of the day. Like I love sunset or sunrise time when the sun is coming through the windows, if possible. And just walk through your property with your iPhone or your phone and walk very slowly through the whole property. And you just want to kind of take like different angles and just, I mean, you can make one long video. That's all you need. And what you'll do with that video is you will take that and create all kinds of short form videos from that one long footage video. And so I have done that. I'll even go back to when we were in renovation and I took so many videos and pictures and I can just pull from that old content. So that's a really good like hack is just keep like take photos. Anytime you're at your property, be taking photos and videos, videos preferably because you can even take a, you know, screenshot a photo from that video. So always be doing that and then keep that footage organized somewhere so that when you're ready to make a reel or a TikTok, you can just pull from that. And then as far as tips, I would just say you want to you want to figure out why why would somebody follow this account? Mm-hmm. And they're not going to follow it just because you're saying book here, book now. You really want to create this almost blog style is what I kind of like to do where you're educating them on that area you are if you if your property is really designed well you know you are sharing that interior design aspect that people like to see they love to see the inside of homes and you can even share about where you got stuff and then you just really want to think about all the time that future follower and why what are you, what are you doing to serve them and why would they follow you so if you have that mindset of just serving them and and helping them find your property because you believe that this is the great a great property for them to their vacation, then I think that's kind of how it how it would work really well because they're going to follow you and learn so much. How many hours a week should a host dedicate to creating social media content and engaging on their social media? 
So, or maybe a better question is like how many posts a week? Because hours, somebody might bust out a reel in five minutes. So when it takes them two hours to figure out their first reel. So instead, maybe what should, let's focus on the output. How many videos, how many stories, like how often should they be showing up? Yeah, I would say a minimum, if you could do three posts a, a week, that would be great. And do like one video of that. So you could do two posts and then one video. And you can use scheduling tools. That's what I use. I love Metricool. That's like specific for social media managers, but they have made it so easy and there's a free version and you can just sign up for that. And then you plug it you can go and create your whole month of content if you want in one setting and then just start plugging it in and scheduling it. Now, I do recommend if you're going to do that, you still need to be active on the account. So before your post and after your post, I love to go in and start engaging with people. And what engaging just all that means is that you're going and you're being social on social media. Basically, that's all it is. Um, You are going to start, you know, maybe following local businesses in that area, um, just liking, commenting, but be genuine about it. I mean, just be social. That's how I kind of explain it. But the more that you can engage right before you post and even after, that's going to help the algorithm pick up on that and serve it to more people. What are your tips as far as like what kind of profile picture you should have, naming the account, creating your bio, and then maybe like highlights on Instagram, highlight covers or like what categories to include in highlights? Yeah. So the the profile picture, I recommend if you have a logo, which you can create like a very simple logo on Canva or something. You could do the logo or I like if you have a really great shot of your property, that first photo that they can see, that's really great to use as your profile picture. And then your bio is going to be very clear on who you serve like who, or who your ideal guest is. Who do you want to book with you? And be very specific on that. Don't be afraid to lead people out on that because there's a saying like when you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. So really try to hone in on who your ideal guest is. And then in their bio, you're going to speak to that. And then you definitely want to mention the location. And if you have a name for your property, which I do recommend doing, that's kind of part of the branding. You you will name it up there like on your handle. That'll be your name. And then for highlight covers, I recommend kind of back to that blog style you're going to have these different things. Like I I love showcasing some of the restaurants, the local restaurants or local coffee shops. And you can have these highlight bubbles that start to add up over time. So when people land on your page for the first time, they get to go through all this content and they see, oh, wow, if I go to this area, here's what I need to do. And like, maybe I should just stay here because they already have done all this, you know, work (laughs) and information. And another aspect of it, like, I I feel like from a marketing perspective is when you're booking properties, if you see a property that has a social media presence and they're spending so much time and effort, like, you know, working on getting their guests to stay with them versus one that's just on Airbnb, maybe ran by a property management company, I'm going to be more likely to book with somebody that is like, because if they care about their social media, they probably are caring about the cleanliness and different aspects of that short-term rental, it just has that higher perceived value. So I know we talked about like, you know, Instagram or maybe TikTok being the top of the funnel. People come in that way and then they go find your direct booking site. 
If somebody finds you from Airbnb or Verbo, are you sharing your Instagram username on there? Because I know that the OTAs can get kind of strict about like what external links you share. So is it just after the booking is confirmed, you'll let them know, hey, you can follow us on social media or are you doing anything to like let them get a peek into the social presence before they book? I'm pretty careful about that. I don't want to get in trouble or anything with Airbnb. Right. So I don't mention anything about it. Evergreen Hideaway, the name might be in the in the description maybe one time. But other than that, like it's they're not really understanding that there's like the social media aspect until they get to the property. And then um, we have several things that are branded. And then we also in our guest book and our digital guidebook before they get there is saying like follow us on social media. But we have like a welcome sign, a doormat, a guest book that all is saying Evergreen Hideaway. So that's kind of those little branding features that you can add at a very low cost. And so that has helped a lot to get followers and to get people to tag us where we can reshare the content and that type of thing. Okay. Okay. Got it. So you're hitting them with the brand like repeatedly once they've arrived. But I guess if they find you through Airbnb or Verbo, they don't really need the social media, the no like and trust factor just comes from finding you through a trusted platform, Airbnb or Verbo. Um, yes. Okay, so that makes sense. So this is the very last question I think I have for you. But as far as the link in bio, what are you putting for that? Are you just putting on social media a link to the direct booking site? Or do you also have like your guidebook in there, your Airbnb listing, just in case somebody feels more comfortable booking there? you know, or just an email newsletter sign up? Like, would you do multiple links or is it just too distracting from the ultimate goal of getting a direct booking? I like doing multiple links. And like you said, some people just do feel more comfortable on Airbnb. And I want them to see our listing. I want them to see our reviews, our real reviews on there. Because even though you can, you know, copy over your Airbnb to your direct booking site, I think there's power in people seeing it for themselves, just verification. Um, and they can even compare pricing like, oh, well, it would be a little bit more over at Airbnb, Airbnb. So let me book direct. So I like sharing. I just share my Airbnb listing link and then my direct booking link. I offer a discount, like a little discount to get on our email list. And when they opt in to that, that's where they'll also get more information about the cabin and they'll also have the direct booking link there. I don't I don't share the Airbnb link in that email because at that point, they've already given them in their email, like, let's just get you booked direct. OK, OK, that makes total sense. I like the way that you frame that because, yeah, I think a lot of people, once they build the direct booking site, it's like I only want to drive traffic there. But there is just some demographic that's always going to be more comfortable on an OTA. And even like you said, I've never thought about it that way. But if they go there, it might just be to compare. Does everything here check out? Great. Now I'm going to go book direct and save on some fees. So even if they open that one, you're not necessarily giving that booking to Airbnb. You might still keep them as a direct booking customer, but just let them let that be like the credibility factor. That's a really good way to frame it. OK, Emily, I have asked all my questions and I know that you have a whole presentation jam packed for us coming up in just the next month. So I can't wait to see that. Is there any like last parting advice you want to give us or just let us know where to connect with you if we want to learn more? Yeah, you guys can connect with me on Instagram and TikTok at Emily Lethgo. And then I did want to offer your listeners, I have a little calendar if they need any help. It's a content calendar. And that kind of, it saves you so much time because I've already done all the strategizing for you. 
and it's specifically designed for short-term rentals and it gives you daily prompts on what to post and just different trends happening. And so it's a content calendar that goes out every two weeks. And I want to give your listeners the first month for $7. Cause it's oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so I would love to help anybody with that. And I'm so excited for the uh, Scottsdale event. Like I, I just hope to see everybody there. Perfect. We will link Emily's Instagram and TikTok below. Can we link Evergreen Hideaway, your direct booking site? Yeah, okay, we'll put that too so you guys can go kind of check out what she's doing for her own direct booking site and stuff and go book her place if you want. And then we'll link the discount code to that content calendar. That's an awesome resource. Emily, thank you so much. And I'm so excited to see you in just a few weeks. Thank you. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, we have a guest who, like, I'm going to read you this post, you guys. And it's just people like this. I honestly wonder, what do you do in your own house? Okay, let me just read the post instead of building up all the suspense. So this host posted in a Facebook group. My guest just called and said they are trying to turn the thermostat and they want the room 73 degrees. The thermostat says it's going to take 30 minutes to get to 73 as the house is currently 69. The guest doesn't like that and wants it 73 right now. I told him it's an exchange of air and they will take 30 minutes to get the preferred temperature that they want. The guest is now unhappy with my answer. Like, I literally wonder when you're when this person is in their own house and they come home and the house is at 69 degrees and they turn the thermostat to 73 and it says it's going to take 30 minutes. Who do they call? Who do they call? Who do they complain about? These are the kind of guests when they text you to say, hey, there's a spider in the house. When you find a spider in your own house, what do you do? What do you, who are you calling for that? Are you calling pest control to come over and take care of that spider? Like, I honestly just these kind of people, like, I just wonder what, what? Literally, how do you live? How do you live when this person goes to the gas station and it takes five minutes to fill up the tank of gas? Are they going? Are they knocking in? Are they going into the little mini mart store there and asking the gas station clerk, excuse me? Why was this not instant? I pulled up and I expected to have gas in my tank in one second. Like, what do these people do when you have to preheat the oven and it takes 10 minutes? What do you do when you put the cookies into the oven and then you have to set the timer for 12 minutes? What do they do? Do they do these people just eat raw cookie dough and raw meat for every single meal? Do you use a microwave? Do you use a toaster? What do you do when you get in the shower and you need to wait a second for the water to get warm? Do you just take cold showers? Like, how do these people function? Who do they call and cry to and complain about and complain to when basic little things in life take time? God, these people blow my mind. Um, My favorite comment on this post, somebody just said, I would have just waited 30 minutes to respond. Then it would have been that temperature. Honestly, I am like, I'm a huge fan. You guys know I always talk about communication. You need to honestly message your guests like I would say message your guests within five minutes but truly for me my guests get responses within 60 seconds even if I don't have an answer for them right away I at least acknowledge the message and tell them that I will you know call a handyman or whatever the issue is and get back to them ASAP but I acknowledge their message within 60 seconds that's kind of my rule in this case I agree you should have just waited 30 minutes and responded and the guests would be like oh it, it's actually warm now. It's actually at our temperature. We're good. These people, like, absolute, like, does anyone know someone like this in real life? How do you live with them? Like, I've gotten guests like this, and it's just, I don't know. I'm so, 
it just makes you realize how blessed you are to not have people like this in your actual life. What would you do if you lived with someone like this? What would you do if this was like your parent or, your, or you raised a child like this? I, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine living with somebody with this few brain cells. This guest is clearly the Airbnb hole. And that's, and that's that. This is not open for discussion. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.